Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Let's, let us both snap in. Yes, a steady rhythm would be best. For you? I didn't hear it as was steady. It, was it not steady? No. Oh, really? Oh, that's weird. Yeah. All right, let's try again. How's it going, eh? It's going all right, actually, pretty well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, uh, have worked my last at the coffee <laughs> mines. Yes. So uh, uh, changing my blue collar to white. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Well, no, no, not literally. One of, half of that is literally. Well, it depends on what shade of blue. <laughs> mm, okay. That does. Uh, that is the thing. Is it still snowing up there? No. Well, it's turned to what apparently they call sleet, which uh, I've ah, always yes. had a hard time defining. Uh, it's just tiny little hard pellets of snow, like little mm. teeny mm. tiny mm. ice balls. Yeah, wet, wet hail. Uh, yes. Not um, quite. It's soft not quite wet hail. Snow, it's more like wet hail. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like soft hail, but it's <laughs> it's just as if somebody dropped a large salt grain. Not rock salt, but small, smaller than that. Little little ground up rock salt, maybe. Yeah, way mm. up there. It is raining here, mm. uh, as you might be able to tell. Possibly, and, uh, yeah. It was supposed to, about a week ago, they said we were due to get snow. It was going to go down to like 29 degrees hmm. overnight. This was seven days before, during the seven-day forecast. And we're like, okay, we might get snow. Mm -hmm. You know, because all this precipitation was due. But uh, all of a sudden, it went up like 10 degrees hmm. along now. And we're supposed to get a week's worth of rain instead of snow. Huh, that's weird. And you got the snow. We did. We got a lot of it, too. Enough to mm. make very small snowmen. Some <laughs> snow snow people. Someone mm -hmm. was across the street, uh, just off the corner last night below us, and uh, making a very flat snow angel. <laughs> so that was also cool. And then there was a, a mom pulling her kid on a toboggan down the sidewalk. That was the other. <laughs> every dog Scraping also. along the sidewalk. Yeah, every dog has extreme reactions. They're either giddy and bouncing all over the place, or they're just... <laughs> pulling back with the no <laughs> so <laughs> our our dogs are mostly into it mm. uh, most of them are into it here yeah i think it's yeah. overall most are into it but some are just um, more cat-like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm gonna say no <laughs> yeah insert some sort of david spade clip there uh, maybe <laughs> <laughs> you could just be a lamb and close that door thank you <laughs> All right. So where do you want to go from here on? It's just called Two Brothers. Yeah, that's very good. Uh, I'm Marcus. I'm James. We are the two brothers uh, about which the show is called. <laughs> well, the week the week wears on, and I have a lot to do before starting the the new gerb. You've got to get all um, all geared up. <laughs> yes. All ready, yeah. ready to produce the uh, the look. Yeah, I do have to. I have to get a couple of extra things um there are some decent shirts in the wardrobe uh but they either don't quite match the pattern desired which is conservative stuff mm -hmm. uh paisley unobtrusive stripes that sort of thing a very uh, i don't even know what the pattern is it's a it's a grid basically mm -hmm. uh, there's some kind of wide grid line <laughs> pattern that i didn't know was a thing but apparently that's okay 
but mm -hmm. uh, yeah, business formal has to be. I'm, I'm hoping there's some extra leeway on the suit jacket because I really don't want to have a black or navy suit jacket. Boring. Yeah, that seems pretty conservative for a for a for a PR uh, uh, type job. Oh, it's not human it's, relations like no, it, thing. It's it's closer to real estate. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Your your hmm. real estate people aren't hmm. you know super business formal. I think a lot of them are. A lot of them are maybe in, corporate guys. I don't know. Yes, yes, but that's what this is. These are corporate people's. Yeah, but I mean, aren't you interfacing with the public? Definitely. Versus interfacing fully with the suits. Oh yeah, no, no, no. It's it's just that the the corporation wants to project a business-like image so that's what uh, they that's what they ask for it, it is okay. rather even in the most liberal of buildings uh, if it's not just the the guy who runs it or the woman who runs it sort of the super right as it, as mm -hmm. it would be in new york um, they're still pretty dressy in in the leasing area hmm. so so i will I, i'm not I'm, I'm a little disappointed in that I prefer Silicon Valley casual, yeah. but uh, but I think I can make it work as long as there's some wiggle room on fabric style and color. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't care about having, uh, what's his face? The, the Matthew, oh, who's the guy who has question marks all over his suit, get, <laughs> get your money from the government. Yeah. He's gonna get you, uh, let's go. Let's go. Matthew. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, nothing. <laughs> Nothing wild, nothing mm -hmm. zoot suity or uh, okay. strange colors or mafia like uh, those, the shiny oh, uh, thing, like like uh, Rod Roddy from <laughs> yes. <Roddy. laughs> yes. or uh, Doc Severinsen. <laughs> oh well, uh, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's nice. Let's say hello to my music guy, Scoy. That is some outfit, Scoey. It makes you look like a homosexual. Oh, maybe you all are homosexuals, too. <laughs> do you want to do your share first? Yes, I have okay. continued to listen to a bit of Frank Zappa here and there. It's been, a, it's been several days because other things have popped up that I mm -hmm. dug into. But I have had in the works to share... Uh, some Frank Zappa of some kind as I work my way through the middle early period. Uh, I'm not mm. the biggest fan of the very early stuff. I recognize its brilliance, uh, the early Mothers of Invention stuff. But mm. I tend to prefer uh, when apostrophe starts and then on up through maybe... Oh, what's the one? Whatever the one before ship arriving too late to save a drowning, which was before Valley Girl came out. <laughs> that period and right. and then i hadn't really listened to any of his straight orchestral pieces in a long time but they are also really great if you mm. if, if you enjoy zappa's style that avant-garde influenced complicated arrangements that he did with humor just slathered over it all over the place mm -hmm. even in the instrumental bits i know almost none of his catalog and I've known his name forever. Mm -hmm. You know, of course, when Valley Girl came out, then I'm sure he got a resurgence. Mm -hmm. And then uh, his son, Dweezil. Right. Well, you listen to him a lot. I listened to, yeah, that first album. And then I I, I listened to several run-throughs of, of his second one. And then the third one, I think I heard it once. 
Okay, that's okay. Meh. <laughs> and, I'm, I'm I mean, I, I saw, I heard a concert band arrangement of Dog Breath Variations, hmm. and had never heard the original. Oh. Even then, and that was maybe I don't know twenty years ago, mm-hmm. and I still know practically nothing about his stuff. I just know he's a <laughs> a, a huge influencer, mm-hmm. and uh, from from way back. And then right. I, I read. So I wish I could remember now. I, w- I read a a book about somebody who was eh, what was he sort of marginally tied to the Hollywood scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in the 60s, yeah. and he hung out with Frank Zappa at his, uh, it was kind of a tree house up in like Laurel Canyon. Yeah, sure. It was a, it was a house, but it had like a tree inside it, mm-hmm. <laughs> as I recall. Yeah. And he had all kinds of people hanging out all the time. He did. He, in various states of uh, mental, <laughs> mental uh, state. Right. Although he himself rarely indulged in anything. Very, yeah. very rare. And generally wasn't interested in drugs mm-hmm. of, of any kind, it seems. And he sort of was a proponent of being sober anyway, but particularly while working, he demanded that of the other musicians. No one is to be intoxicated in any way while you're playing this music, whether recording or live. So uh, as wild as it is, as much as people say, whoa, what was Frank on, man? Uh, his own genius? That's... Well, I can think. Yeah. So this share, which is called Bogus Pomp, is from the, what is it, 12 orchestral works or something like that. I forget. I'll put it in the, I'll put it in the notes. Just a fantastic orchestral piece. Uh, it, it's a little like a Brian Wilson approach. He plays the orchestra as its own instrument. definitely has a lot to it it's um <laughs> it is so the uh, album is 
orchestral favorites and it was released in 1979 but the performance is from 1975 and uh 13 minutes 31 seconds oh 13 okay <laughs> it just seemed like 20 <laughs> it, de- it depends it it varies widely really. there's another version on here that is 15 minutes mm-hmm. so <laughs> so that is maybe something that you wouldn't have heard before Absolutely, I had never heard it before. Mm. And I don't know, other than the fact that he experimented with orchestral stuff, uh-huh. and it was kind of surprising to me, but yet I never really looked up any of his of his works. Right. <laughs> well, I, they were... I'm about to change all that. <laughs> for as much as he favored those works, uh, there is precious little, I, I think, early work, seems to me, versus all of the other rock and roll things. Mm-hmm. It's almost like he knew... What he was um, almost brought up in. I, I don't really know his early history, mm-hmm. but uh, when he, it's almost like he found out about orchestral, the the orchestra being able to do stuff other than, say, dead white Europeans, and um, wanted to go for it mm-hmm. and found he had a talent for it, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Brilliant uh, writer and always writing, always, always something in the works. Uh, so he just lived in the studio. But it was in his house, so <laughs> he <laughs> yeah. could he could do that right. after a while. But he, he, I saw him on TV in a black and white talk show. I don't know when it was, but it was uh, maybe the '60s, early '60s, or late '50s even. And he was just leading this weird uh, Spike Jones-like group in banging various bits of bicycle and tire rims and barrels and I don't know what, just weird things mm-hmm. so the, the the avant-garde thing seemed to take seemed to come naturally but yeah. he had all of that together as a young man he he loved all of the stuff that was going on mm-hmm. the 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 50s thing the doo-wop that's in a lot of songs uh r&b uh blues clearly loved blues guitar because he got good at playing it Eventually, I guess, but uh, always had this other uh, modern classical influence at the same time, Mm -hmm. which makes total sense when you put that together with what any Zappa song is pretty much just this, this huge mass of music of indefinable origin. Uh, It's when I was reading his, uh, his wiki was talking about, like even in his teens, he, uh-huh. he, he was self-taught as a composer mm-hmm. and a performer. He didn't really have any any real music musical mentors, mm-hmm. um, but just influences. You know, yeah. a, he acquired a taste for twentieth um, century modernist yeah. classical music, right. and then as you know, he just loved it all. Yeah. It seemed like it. You know, really. It's uh, Edgar, Edgar Varese comes up as a mm-hmm. as a likely influence. I'm sure that's. I'm sure that he's in there. He, yeah, he did like taped sounds made into almost like a montage of music. Right. Yeah, like recorded sounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they experimented. Rez experimented uh, really early on with recorded tape. Yeah, quite played back and manipulated. Mm-hmm. Very, very weird. No, but yes. manipulated and then played back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But Frank had this high art side of the avant-garde classical stuff mixed with the heightened sexuality of rock and roll. Mm-hmm. So he, he ran with that side too, and then mashed those together. So it's, it sounds strange and, 
and as complicated as the <laughs> the most dissonant heavy orchestral work, but it's using guitars and keyboards and and uh, marambas and xylophones and the vibes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's sort of lots of weird percussion along with that and uh, saxophones and brass sometimes everything jammed into that mode mm-hmm. of down and dirty rock yeah an interesting fellow but amazing i'd still say i, I i'll argue his genius with anybody who, who cares to uh, yeah i have no doubt about it just the the sh- my god the sheer amount mm-hmm. of music he right. he made and wrote uh just was cranking it out even when he was sick Still writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amazing. Indeed. Well, why don't we talk about another amazing musician and composer, albeit more solidly in the, the jazz vein, but still a similar kind of, of fusion artist, literally. Right. Chick Corea died just, uh, what, uh, three days ago, sadly. I was, thought it was today because I didn't hear about it, and I'm very surprised that yeah. I didn't see anything. But He died on uh, February 9th, mm-hmm. some rare form of cancer. Yeah, which uh, I didn't know that either. Yeah, I didn't either. He was recording something. Uh, he was working on a, no, he was recording in 2019, mm-hmm. uh, I think was his latest album. And then um, just a, a few months ago, he was still working on a trombone concerto for, I assume, Joe Alessi of the New York Philharmonic. It said trombone concerto for the New York Philharmonic, but Joe Alessi is like the guy, the trombonist. He's been there since, uh, I think, 85. Uh, huh. He's their principal trombone. Amazing, amazing musician. And as well as, I'm trying to remember a different, a different concerto. I can't remember if it was per- for percussion, maybe. So, you know, he's just working, working, working and performing <laughs> regularly right. for what, 60 years. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess that's right. I was shocked to know that he, he was the replacement for Herbie Hancock in uh, Miles Davis group. <laughs> he played on <laughs> yeah. the last like five albums of Miles Davis's uh, yeah. career and uh, went from there. Wild. <laughs> mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. Um, I first knew his name because of uh, drum corps. <laughs> there was a there was a piece of music um, that the Blue Devils did in '81 called "One More Time Chuck Korea," mm-hmm. and that was an amalgam of Chuck Mangione and Chick Korea. That um, right. somebody was it Rich Madison, I believe. I don't know any of those regular. Rich Madison was like a big band composers. guy, um, uh-huh. and he wrote this amalgam piece, and then. So then, um, when that came out, they made a big deal. Everybody, you know, anytime that comes up, there's like, no, it's not Chickory. It's one more time Chuck Korea because it's the two mm-hmm. names, blah, blah, blah. So right. that's how I knew his name. And then, um, and then Blue Devils, once again, they played, uh, his La Fiesta, mm-hmm. which is probably my favorite piece of his of all time, <laughs> even though that's not my music share. <laughs> right. Uh, or maybe a little clip of it, uh, is just underneath, I, underneath I it across, all, maybe. Yeah, I ran across a, <laughs> a super cool version of him doing uh, relatively recently. I want to say oh, maybe cool. the last uh, seven or eight years. And right. um, it's, it's I would have thought it was trio. Spain, but sure, I yeah, totally Spain. get La Fiesta. Sure, it's not my favorite either, but yeah. <laughs> but cool. um, but Blue Devils just did a oh man smoking version of it, yeah. and so I was hooked when that came on. Then later. I discovered his um, electric band when he came out mm-hmm. with his Chicory Electric Band first album. Mid eight, mid eighties, right? Yeah, mid eighties. And my music shares from that album got a match. When I got to that on the album, I was like, "Whoa!" You <laughs> know, the musicianship is what hit me the most, I think. And because uh, you asked me about another song in the album, King Cockroach, 
you know, thinking mm-hmm. that might be my favorite, but uh, there was just something visceral about that. I was like, holy crap, those guys are good. Mm-hmm. And just so tight together. Chick Corea on, on his guitar <laughs> and uh, Dave Weckl on drums and uh, John Patitucci on bass. Yeah. Just absolute masters. saw a, uh, I think I linked you, a live thing of them playing together in, was it 2017? They were doing a, uh, uh, like a session right. uh-huh. along with Frank Gambale and Eric Marienthal, guitar and, and alto sax, who became members of the of the band after the first album. Mm-hmm. Man, those guys are just, they, they're having fun. <laughs> yeah. It's like they're toying with us, that they're so freaking good on their instruments, you know, as well, well as playing together. Yes, extremely practiced. <laughs> that's the uh, that's the hallmark of the technical player, though, right? You you do it so many times, you just look at the other dudes in the band and smile as you yeah. wheedle away. Right. <laughs> well, uh, I am not uh, I'm not a fan as much of his later stuff, and I'm certainly not <laughs> I'm not a, a fan of guitar work in mm-hmm. any way. <laughs> Uh, I'm not normally, but <laughs> you got me on this uh, one. I don't like the tone most. It's not so much. The, I think the format is, or the form is silly, but the just the, the tone that usually they bring out of it. It's not my thing, I think. But I do, I do like Return to Forever, and mm-hmm. I especially like the um, Aldi Mela, Stanley Clark, I believe it was back, Lenny White version of the band hmm. the, the middle s- section i think or maybe the later uh 74 76 74 75 76 something like that yeah that's my jam but i'm uh i love fusion as much as i love straight jazz modern mm. jazz mm. i like the mashups of style for sure 
Hey, <laughs> that's that's something I love about Zappa. It, it's also the, the same here, mm-hmm. bringing jazz and rock together. Uh, that was really they were the foremost practitioners of that literal fusion. Shakira's band. Yes. Yeah. Return to Forever is what I mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's just a prime example, and and lots of people followed. Lots and lots of them. Oh, followers. Yes. Certainly. So uh, yeah, but it, it, Miles really, Miles is, of course, I think started that. They I, those dudes took it to another level. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I got nothing else. I don't have anything else to say. Oh, except for one thing. Uh-huh. Quick side note: I was teaching in Arizona, and I got a. I, I was out one day, and I came back, and the substitute was Mr. Korea. Huh. And I so then I ran into him a few days later, and he was subbing for a different teacher. But I saw him out um, as we were. I don't know, directing traffic after school or whatever we were doing. And I said, uh, "Hey, any relation to, to Chick Korea? Ha ha, hmm. you know." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, he's my cousin. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I said, what? Really? He said, yeah. And so he he was surprised that uh, that I knew Chick Corea, you know. Oh, jeez, really? He, <laughs> as, a, then he, as a musician, you no, 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 I because would be surprised that, if you didn't. We were both out direct in traffic. He didn't know who I was at that point. <laughs> oh, I see, I see. Because he had only subbed for me, you know, sight unseen. Right. And, I got uh, you. He didn't know my name. He didn't know you so, were the one. Right. So then I told him who I was. He, so then he was like, oh, yeah, well. Um, <laughs> yes. He he was happy to have somebody else to talk to um, that would know. Yeah, right. That so he was a really nice guy. It was like the incident at at Trader Joe's in Silver Lake when uh, I heard this secondhand because uh, I wasn't on the floor, unfortunately. But this dude walked into the store, and one of my friends from the store happened to be there, and he stopped just inside the doorway and sort of cocked his head to the side and just sort of as if you know listening which he was to a Jimi hendrix song coming over the sound system mm-hmm. and he said you're listening to jimmy or something or you know listening to the music he says yeah it's like that's my brother and, uh, it's just really nice to be out somewhere and hear his voice uh. i thought that was really sweet and yeah. uh, it's the same I think for Chikoria, he'll he will have plenty of material to to be played in years to come. Indeed, that is probably still influential now. Oh, I have no doubt. Yeah, yeah. There's just so many, as you as you were saying to me earlier, it's just a giant catalog. Yeah, you know the the amount of years he was active, right. for one, but then so many different iterations of his mm-hmm. styles. Yeah, you know, and he I think he was nominated for like 65 Grammys in his career and he won like 20 <laughs> 23 Grammys so, some it was a ton number. of things yeah Grammys since 1976 all the way through 2020 yeah he was nominated yeah, he, for well he might win two more he's, he's up for he's got two nominations you know for oh, yeah, these right. uh, upcoming Grammys so it might get right, right he won 30 he won 23 nominated over 60 times <laughs> so this is an so, abbreviated list yeah, theoretically, wow. two more posthumously awarded. Mm. I wouldn't be surprised if they did one, you know, mm. just because, you know, sure. as, as award shows go, but right. you never know. But yeah, an, an amazing Yeah, catalog. not overlooked. Not an overlooked musician. It anymore. seemed like in uh, Keyboard Magazine, he was constantly the uh, voted, you know, jazz pianist of the year. Hmm. Back when I had a subscription to Keyboard hmm. Magazine. Well, I, I get it in the late 80s. I would, I understand that. Mm-hmm. I understand that. He's not... I really enjoy him, but I—he's not the 
he's not a keyboard player that or a piano player that I would randomly put on. <laughs> yeah. As in, for as influential and as prominent as he was, I tend. Ahmad Jamal is my favorite jazz pianist. Uh, McCoy Tyner, uh, Keith, Keith Jarrett. Those those three are possibly my top jazz pianists. But I I, I can't look away if I'm watching him play. He's one, I, it's never boring, and he always has something interesting to say improvisationally. Yeah. If you watch all of, if you watch his solos, it's always that's, something compelling about it. That's one thing about him that I really appreciate is so many jazz guys that would that get into improv mm. just noodle away right. you know, forever. And Chikoria, he never seemed like he was just noodling for noodling's no. sake, you know. No, it always he built to make, he built melodies yeah, with his improv. Yeah. And he he worked with he was excellent at, in a combo. Mm-hmm improv and yeah. going uh call and answer lines you know you do eight mm-hmm. bars and the other dude does eight bars and then you yep. then you each do four bars and then you each just go back and forth it's th- right. that kind of thing where it could be any uh quick change combo or reacting to the other player and he mm-hmm. he's always on top of it yep. never falters uh, always has uh, sometimes something amusing. There is there is a, a lot of humor in his improv. I think it's or something wry, something witty. Yeah, for sure. He's, it's a it's a little um, mischievous smirk. Well, in, one of in the things that, that like a, a quotation from him was that um, it, it was almost always about fun with any group that he worked with. You know, sure. it was like that was almost the number one factor that he looked sure, for sure. in working with people. Yeah, which I think was one of the things they that that uh, ended Return for, to Forever. That's to uh, stop being fun for them. <laughs> stop being about the music, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, it started being only about the music, man. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Uh, it's uh, maybe Al is not the easiest person to work with. I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know much about the other two, but uh, but Chick seems to be well regarded by all his by all his groups, all his yeah. His sidemen, if you like, his his fellow musos. <laughs> well, if well, you'd like to muse about, you could send us an email, and if you do, you could send it to Rose at it's just called two brothers dot com. If you use the Twitter, you can tweet at us at ijc2b. I, that's uh, a show. I'm barreling through season four of the Venture Brothers, so uh, it won't be Good long job. before I can say I have more to say. There's a lot already, mm-hmm. but the whole what's the uh, What's the 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 half brother's name? Dean? No, Dean. What am I saying? <laughs> Dean. Uh, half brother. Jonas uh, Jr. No, 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 no. The one who comes in, uh, the big. Oh, the uh, Igor guy. Faux tough guy. No, no, not not mutant Dean. The the sort of bully type. Oh, Dermot. 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 Yeah. 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 I'm uh, well into that, and then the whole Monstro uh, mm-hmm. double cross. Monstro. Monstroso? Is it? Monstroso? Yeah, Monstroso. You're right. Monstroso. Yeah. He's a lawyer. He's a lawyer and a supervillain. What do you think?